0: I have one concern that a lot of food can seem like it's healthy, but it's not. You can have a heart attack and be a vegan. There's a lot of junk food out there. And so one thing that I could see is maybe a downside as it grows is there's a lot of semi-healthy plant-based food. Welcome to the Plant-Based
1: Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saver.
2: Hey, this is Jerry Saver, and you're listening to episode 55 of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show, the podcast where we go in-depth and behind the scenes with the people creating a plant-based future so you can get inspired, learn from their experience and their approach, and find out what works when you're setting up your own vegan company or brand. The topic of the day is meal delivery, and this is one of those markets that's on the rise, not just for plant-based meals, but for everything. And of course... Same as in the restaurant industry. Consumers are becoming more aware and demanding healthier options. So those who prefer to have their meals delivered are also looking for ways to eat better. And vegan meals, especially vegan meals that address things like low-fat, low-sodium, and minimally processed ingredients, those are the obvious choice. And as you will learn in this interview... Finding a suitable niche can really help bring a business along, even if you're not aiming for nationwide coverage at first. In the case of Meg Donahue and her partner, Lisa Lorimer, their niche kind of developed from the event that also started their company, which is called Mama Says. And that event was Meg's mother, Millie, being diagnosed with a failing heart, released into home care, and given months to live. Well, today, Meg and Lisa have a meal delivery service that focuses on whole food, plant-based meals, the kind of food that could be called disease reversing. And for the story behind it, here's Meg and Lisa from Mama Says. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here.
0: Very happy to be here.
2: I'm very happy to to have you here because it sounds like a pretty nice business that you are building up. But before we get started talking about that business and before we talk about Millie's story, of course, in the beginning of Mama Says... I'd love to just create a sort of a background by looking at what you both did before you you started this one.
1: Sure. What's sure. Yeah, I'll start. Um, for most of my adult life, I owned a company called the Vermont Bread Company, and we make all-natural and certified organic bread rolls and English muffins for supermarkets and natural product stores under our brands, Vermont Bread um, and, and Rudy's Organic, as well as private label for Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. I... Exited that business a number of years ago to a private equity firm, and I worked with them to build a larger um, national organic bakery, and exited that in 2014 and retired.
0: Yeah, and my background is a little bit more varied. I um, had a large uh, commercial Company hotels and large commercial properties, um, inaugural ballrooms, that type of thing. I sold that. And then I had properties that I owned and managed myself. And so I did that for a while as well as some public art.
2: Okay. So basically, you're both coming from entrepreneurial backgrounds. Sure. And Lisa, you <laughs> exactly. you were the co-founder and, and CEO of the Vermont Bread Company. Yes. And Meg, you, you had that business going. So exactly. definitely a good foundation to build a new business. But um, was there any foundation for going into whole food, plant-based business? What did your diet and lifestyle look before you, you, you started Mama Says?
0: I think that's a really good question <clears throat> because we were, we were people who were healthy. You know, I was a competitive athlete, played tennis you know, in national tournaments, and so for my, most of my life, was aware and conscious of my health and my weight and what I ate and as was my mom and we'll get to her story as well. But I think that's something that was really telling for us of what we thought was a great diet and what we thought we were being really aware. We were we were pretty
1: far off the beam. Yeah, eating lean meats and bonus breast of chicken on the grill and you know low fat dairy, low fat yogurts. I grew up in Vermont and so that's sort of our what we do here. Um, we're a dairy state. And so that was, you know, we thought we were eating a healthy diet.
2: Yeah, I think most people would would agree that they eat a healthy diet until something really happens to rock their convictions or makes them reevaluate everything.
1: Right. I think you're right. Yeah. And I even came out of... I was in the organic food industry. And even there in the organic food industry, we're still talking dairy and meat. So it was... Even though we thought we were healthy by eating organic, it was still eating animal products.
2: Yeah. And then now we're getting to the know the main story behind mama says how did that unfold you were told that your mother made she had just months to live
0: she um, had congestive heart failure she had 10 percent heart function and dropping her kidneys were failing and she was at a major uh, hospital here Dartmouth Hitchcock and they said you know take her home make her comfortable call hospice and you know which is usually you have three four maybe five months to live so we brought her back to our house and renovated a little apartment in our garage. And I don't know exactly why it happened, but I thought somebody in the world has probably survived congestive heart failure. I just want to find out if there is and what did they do? And so that's how I Googled that. And I came across the work of Dr. Esselstyn, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, and then T. Colin Campbell, more of his work, which I was familiar kind of in a background way with the T. Colin Campbell work. But we just followed Dr. Esselstyn's Advice, whole food, plant based, no oil and low sodium, and gave her tiny little micro meals. She was very, very sick. She couldn't feed herself at the time, could barely walk. And she started over three to six months. One, she didn't die. And then she started to get a little stronger where she could walk around her apartment and she could walk around our driveway. And she was 80. So that's significant too. She um, eventually just kept getting better and better until she's 87 today. And she drives her you know, she swims four times a week. Her heart function is near normal. Her blood pressure is 120 over 60. She was just, just had it tested and was excited to tell me, you know, she travels. Taking ukulele lessons. Taking ukulele (laughs) lessons. You know, her life physically from the inside out gotten very, very healthy and full. So it's remarkable. And that's what really got our attention that if you at 80, and then at the same time we were eating the food because we're cooking it, And then my health started to change. You know, I always thought I was kind of in good health, but I would suffer from, you know, like arthritis and things, but just started feeling better. Lost some weight, arthritis went away, beginnings of macular degeneration started to go away. And then we said something very profound is happening here. We need to maybe help get more people to know about it.
1: And you went. You went to school for it. Oh, yeah. And so then
0: I said, I, you know, called up every major doctor who was doing this and said, What can you tell me? Is this true? And then I went to Cornell, went to their plant based nutrition course. And so I could get an understanding in the science and then basically dogged all of the the scientists so I could, you know, find out what's real, what isn't, because there's a lot of baloney kind of stuff out there. And we really wanted to be very clear of, you know, is this true? Is it duplicatable? Where has it been seen? And so that's where we started. Yeah.
1: One of the things we um too, just to go on with the story is that it's very hard to eat this way, if you have kids and a busy life, you would get home at the end of the day you, i mean we we always say you spend half your life chopping and half your paycheck at Whole Foods, right? So we wanted to find a company that would just send this food to us because we wanted to eat this way. My blood pressure went down to normal, you know all these health reasons were really important to us to keep eating this way, but we we just couldn't find the exact company that we were looking for to send this food to us, so we started Mo so
2: that was we the idea the company so that we could be a customer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And, yeah, and we wanted them to, to, you know, we call ourselves the bullseye. We really follow the standards that science is saying. You need this for health, for these, to reverse these things for real. You need this particular, you know, no oils and low sodium and- No chemicals, no, chemicals, no refined sugars. No refined sugars, no preservatives. And, and that's hard to do in a food business. But luckily, Lisa has a huge background in, in kind of breaking barriers in that sort of way and figuring it out. And so, we spent a lot of our first six months with the lab and with you know chefs trying to figure out what is the combination that actually works so we can deliver people fresh food that will last in their fridge for two weeks um, that doesn't have preservatives in it.
1: And and the kind of food Already made. that our brothers would eat and not say, where's dinner? Yeah,
0: right. It'd right. mm-hmm. <laughs> so be it hardy and, and yeah.
2: Yeah, that that can be a challenge as well when you're cooking for, for non vegans or trying to convert someone. Right. That um, some of the meals that vegans find completely tasty and satisfying will, for someone with a slightly different palate, they'll just be bland.
1: Right. So we have a, we make a, a gardener's pie that's like a shepherd's pie, mm-hmm. and we serve it to a bunch of uh, folks that were at a potluck—a bunch of farmers and um, you know folks from our town. And they were convinced that there was meat in it. So that's what we want to do. We want them to eat the food and just say, it. that was awesome. That was awesome. Not, oh, that was pretty good for plant-based, you know? Right.
2: Yep. So before we go on talking about the business, I just have to go on that tangent and ask. This, by the way, is just going off my own grandmother, who's 84 now. And I know that the couple of times that we tried to get her to even try something vegan, it was nearly mission impossible. So how did Millie take to the idea of of eating this kind of food?
0: Well, I think she was really sick. So I think there was less resistance. I think that was one. But with other people um, in that age group, we have a a thing called a senior bundle. And it was just for that because most people, they're eating a lot more plant-based than they realize already. And so when it's not presented as something that's kind of unusual, even vegan, but just, hey, try this lasagna I made. And then they try it and it's like, this is good. And so it doesn't have a label on it that's a little bit of a stopper. Because I think that more than the taste profile, people have a whole story in their head about. And so for older folks, especially where they may have a more ingrained food profile that they like, we have a lot of comfort foods and we offer it in smaller portions suggest trying it as a side dish where they're accustomed to eating vegetables on the side anyway. And so they begin to kind of integrate it into their diet.
1: One of the things that we did, for example, Millie loved this turkey chili that I used to make. And so I just made the turkey chili without turkey and without oil. So I replaced it with garbanzo beans. And I just said to her, hey, check this out. I made some changes in the chili. And it still had the same taste profile for her. So it tasted, Spicing
0: was similar, it's all the same. Yeah.
1: Then it had, the carrots are the same. The beans are the same. I think going at it from that direction as well, like find something that they love and keep the flavor profile the same and just swap out the meat or the dairy. Mm -hmm. Um, So
2: that works for us. So I'm going to save this question for later, I think, because I'd really love to know how you approach this, what you call the flavor profile. But I think Mm -hmm. you, you have a very scientific way of just building your meals. But first of all, how exactly did you go from saving your mother's life, your grandma's life to, evolving this into a business idea. What was the timeline for it?
1: We made her food, and then we started to make this food for other friends who had health issues. And then we realized that we were running basically a commercial kitchen. (laughs) Out of our kitchen. (laughs) Out of our kitchen. So we were like feeding our friends and family, and there's four generations that live on this property. And so we just realized pretty quickly that this was actually, that people really wanted this food, and we really wanted this food to be delivered to us. And I have such a background in production, in food production, that it just seemed like if anyone could do this, we could try figure it out with my network of people and so we just said, okay, let's just start this and see what happens. I was not in, intending this you were not intending this we were retired um, but the transformation that happens in people's lives means that we get up every day like we have to do this work because it's so important and so we just we found the perfect place to mm-hmm. produce in in the next in a couple of towns over from here. I just went out in my network and said, hey, you know I'm, we're looking to get this thing started so we, we were able to find the perfect location. And things just fell into place pretty quickly for us.
0: And it was surprising. It was something where, you know, Lisa and I had our own businesses That's we always did. You know, we just grew up that way. And this one was very different in that I felt we're in our 50s. And we said, hey, for this second half of our life, what do you want to leave? What do you want to, you know, what's your impact? And we really felt kind of pulled into it that... But- What we're doing has more than just getting people healthy. It has such a profound impact on how people perceive their food sources and the planet that how can we not do it? And there was a kind of joy around it that, you know, I've always loved work, always, you know, and we both love work, but this has a kind of joy that just pulls us through. And it's not all kittens and rainbows, you know, any entrepreneur has tough days and weeks, but there's an underlying that this is something that. We kind of feel privileged that we've been given this piece of the whole pie to plant-based pie to, to be able to bring out to the world.
2: Yeah, it's a mission, basically. It is. It, is. it is. The main reason that I was asking about the timeline is because if I hear you correctly, Millie got sick or was given just months to live in 2011.
0: She, yeah, 2012 she, is when she
1: came here, was late right in December yeah, yeah, of 2011.
2: Yeah. And, and you started the business in, was it 2016?
1: Correct. Yeah, yeah we were making food during that time and yeah. we kept making more and more in our house. But we got serious about this in the fall of 2016 and we launched February of 2017.
2: Were there any major pivots or iterations from that first idea that you had to when you, you created it?
1: Yes. The biggest one was that we wanted to do more raw food. Okay. A lot of the uh, what we do in our own kitchen is spiralized noodles and a lot more raw.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and got to understanding about um, how to package this and how to have it last for a period of time in your fridge. We really needed to have all cooked foods. And to have it be safe. And to have it be, yeah, yeah. as safe That's as we safe. could make it. So that was the biggest pivot earlier on is that we went from raw foods to cooked foods.
2: Yeah. And that actually sounds a... Pretty short timely because you said two thousand sixteen was when you decided and two thousand sixteen was when you launched as well, right?
1: Well, we launched in two thousand seventeen, February of twenty seventeen.
2: Okay. Right.
0: Yeah. So we were doing all the groundwork in two thousand
1: sixteen. Working and with the lab and um, with the lab researching about yeah. the plants. About and our, chefs. our chefs.
2: That's the thing that I mentioned earlier that I, I would really like to hear more about. How exactly do you approach the taste profile? If it's not a trade secret, or if it's something that can be explained in a way that even someone without a huge background in the food industry will, will understand, how do you do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things we'll talk about FASS as well, but we start with the product that is the familiar product. So We start with what does a shepherd's pie taste like, or what does a ch- good chili taste like? And then we 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 build to that flavor profile. Um, one of the hints that we give, and we, ha- we wrote um, a blog post about this, is that the way that you can make all food taste good in your mouth is that you need to remember the acronym F-A-S-S. So you want to do fat, acid, sweet, and salt. And so those things have to be balanced to make you feel like that that is a really tasty product. So I think mostly what we do is try to get to match to the flavor profile of the mainstream comfort food and then make sure that it's a balanced mouthfeel for and we
0: tested it on people. We right. test it on people who might not be inclined to go, you know, be our fans and see if they like it. And we take feedback really well. We take it as data points. So it's really yeah. helpful that way.
1: We sponsored potlucks. And so we'll we'll have things that we're working on for townspeople. And we invite um, everyone yeah in town. And, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we have there's that our, right. our secret sauce. That's our secret sauce, right? Yeah. Built
1: in focus. <laughs> it's true. They come and taste everything. And then we work with different chefs. So you're not going to have the same flavor. Like if you ask me to be the chef, which I am on certain things, Millie's Chili is mine, for example. You don't want my taste in the entire line. And so we work with a, a number of different chefs. So we have different takes on things.
2: Mm-hmm. The potluck idea sounds like a very good approach to quickly trying things out and, and getting a lot of feedback in, in the process.
0: And, you know, it's great for the community too, because it's a nice, friendly, kind of engaging way to get people who might not be plant-based to try it and to be around and, you know, kind of just normalize it. And that's what we thought. Let's do potlucks just like an old church supper used to be where people would come and you just chat and eat good food. Then you go home and everyone's happy.
1: Yeah. The other thing we do do is um, if you are our customer, you know this, we will test it on you. So we'll have something we we just launched a chickpeas uh, turmeric um, scramble. scramble. Yeah. And so what we did is we made it and we gave it to everybody that ordered that week and disaster feedback. And so that's we use our customers as our final focus yeah, they group. They get to test it. They test it and they give
2: us feedback. Which of course is the most important focus group that you should be testing on.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right.
2: The FASS thing that you mentioned, I mean, it obviously it makes sense, but since You know, two parts of that are fat and salt. How do you address that since you're no oil and low sodium in your recipes?
1: So we use a tiny bit of salt. We are not sodium-free. We're gluten-free, but we're not Mm sodium-free. And then we just try to find ingredients that sort of mimic the fat feel in your mouth, um, just so it balances it out. And you you can do that. Yeah, yeah. we do some nuts for our heart-healthy bundles. We don't use any nuts, but we can use garbanzo beans can give you sort of a similar sort of feel to it. So, it's it's really about a matter of like thinking about the, the four different areas and trying to balance them out. We've done some sodium free um, mm-hmm. products, and as good as that is for your body, it's just not something that you can eat and want to eat again soon. It's our what experience. On too it.
0: is we, we started talking with people, and they said, Well, I ended up salting it. And when we, we measured out, well, how much is actually two shakers full of salt? It's a lot of and salt. And it is so much more than what we, you know, two little like, is so much more than we actually put in our food. We thought, okay, well, if we get it so that there isn't that trigger in your body that I need salt, so that you're not salting it on top of it, um, then you're better off than like no sodium because people just, well, they want that it. little edge of it. And so recognizing it. So that's
1: yeah. what we do.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, have you had many people just come back to you with their own stories of um, reversing heart disease or other, other diseases?
1: Every day. It's amazing. Every day we hear stories of our customers.
0: Yeah. It's really, you know, it's probably the most emotional part of the business and what keeps us going from when we started, you know, our plant manager's his name's Big Dave. That's what we called him. And he worked with me for years. Big guy, you know, Dave moved the fridge from the third floor to the first and he could just pick it up and bring it down, not plant-based. And he also had lifelong epilepsy. And he, in the first month said, okay, Meg, I'm just going to do this. And he went all in and he lost 35 pounds, went on to lose 65, but his epilepsy began to subside, these seizures that he would have. He was on medication. And he said, I think I can go off my medication. And we're very, very cautious. You know, talk with your doctor. Don't do it. You know, right. we're, not, we're not advocates of like go off medication, unsupervised. Uh, yeah. So he did. and And his doctor was really supportive and they weaned off. And now he's 65 pounds lighter. He just turned 50. His goal was to have six pack abs. He does. And he's off um, his epilepsy medication, you know, so yeah. there's that to, you know, a woman who called to tell us that we saved her mom's life because she lives in Texas and her mom is in New England. And there's no way that she could cook for her or that her mom would cook for herself and she had a heart condition and she's been sending her our food and her mom is doing great. And so that's a huge part of why we do what we do, right? because you can have such an amazing impact on people just by giving them real food.
2: That's really impressive. And I I can totally imagine how good that makes you feel to hear about the impact that your business is doing every single day.
1: Yeah, it's really fascinating because at Vermont Park Company, when we started here in the, in the US, there was just miles of what we call squishy white bread on the bread shelves. And by the time I exited that company, you know, there's a lot more whole grain, a lot more organic. We were one of the largest purchasers of organic wheat. So that was my legacy at Vermont Bread Company. There was a real transition that happened there in, in support of organic agriculture and whole grains. And that was important work, but this is completely different. This is, people's lives are transformed and we hear about it every day. It's, it, it's amazing. it makes you get up in the morning. I gotta go and do this because that woman's mother needs our our food. Um, mm,
0: that's why we're really keen to keep it in line with what is actually suggested if you you know to keep the food as at I, I hate to use clean because that's been overused, but in its purest state, I guess, then you can as yes, you can
2: yeah if it's not a big secret since you were mentioning your your plant and everything how how many meals do do you send out per per week?
1: Yeah, we don't say what our volumes are, yeah. um, but we got we have plenty of room to grow. So come sign up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we're doing
0: well. We're yeah. doing really well. Yeah. We're on projections, and we just don't give out those figures. But we've grown every month.
2: Actually, where I was going with this question was more of um, your your plans. So sure. it, it sounds like it's not just a commercial kitchen; it's a whole production facility where where you create these meals.
1: Yes, that's correct and we have an awesome team in, in that plant team. right now. Um, I go there probably two days a week and they've they just, it, it's rocking and rolling. It's a great group of folks making yeah. really awesome food. And it is, what's so fun is that they're also all involved in all the other parts of the business because we are still a startup. Like our chef, Caroline, helps to run the kitchen in the production area and she's developing recipes and she does a lot of our blog posts yeah. and she does education. So like, and it's the same thing for everybody that's there. So know they'll spend half the time in the plant and half the time doing something else so there's a lot of great conversations that happen as the food is cooking and and it's just so beautiful someone came in and did a tour and they said even your waste is beautiful so that the (laughs) waste that we compost like it's "It's beautiful
0: yeah
1: (laughs) every time i walk in there it because we're making whole food um And it's all plants, and it's just so colorful. And and every time I go in there, I'm amazed at how gorgeous it looks. That sort of feeling and that sort of team is what we want to have going forward. We're we're identifying our next production site, so we're getting started on that. Uh, We'd like to also do something in the the West. So our goal is to be able to be—we currently service the entire U.S., but the shipping's a little more expensive to the West. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be able to bring down that cost, that shipping cost, by producing there. So that's our plans you know, every day we get up and are excited to keep going, keep
2: keep growing. That's what we're doing. Nice. So basically your plan here is to have two locations to serve both the East and the West. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Gotcha. Okay. So next question is going to be about numbers as well. So we, we don't actually have to talk about numbers, but one thing that's always interesting is hearing how founders approach the question of funding the business and getting it off the ground. So what was your approach?
1: Sure. So one of the things that, that we say, I wrote a book after my experience at Vermont Bread Company called Dealing with the Tough Stuff, mm-hmm. Practical Wisdom for Running a Values-Based Business. And one of the key things that I recommend that people do is immediately get an advisory board around you. So get people around you who can help you make decisions, think through your all parts yeah. of your business. It's not a group that will be with you forever. And maybe the one for the startup is different than the one after you've been in business for a couple of years but to bring that group around you and that's what we did we mm-hmm. i went out to my network brought people in to help me figure out all the different parts of what we needed to do and the f- initial funding because we did find a location that was already built out somebody had spent a couple million bucks but building out this facility and it was closed so all we had to do was kind go of in, fell
0: into our lap yeah it was awesome
1: <laughs> and all we had to do was go in and just really do a complete sanitation in there and get and add a few more pieces of equipment but we were very lucky to have found the location that we did. And the initial funding we got from friends and family. And again, I, I recommend that you do it that way. to your friends and family are the ones that believe in you. I have a group of folks that I have known for years and our family also invested in a family office. And so that's how we got started. We got the funding from there and we have a terrific location that sort of fell in our lap.
2: The amount you threw out there, though, the couple million dollars to create that, um, yeah. that facility. It does,
0: it facility with it as well which is great
1: it was built out as a venture center mm-hmm. um, and a training space for differently abled adults and so it was a, a fully built out it's gorgeous yeah i would say probably million, one and a half million dollars one to two million somewhere and we had there. already
0: bought a building that we were going to retrofit and then we just i mean that was another pivot i guess where it was like yeah. no we're not going to go here it's much better to go here because that right. just fell in our lap
1: right
2: so. nice and was that um, did the business only start operating when you moved into that facility or were you yes. for a time you weren't working out of your own kitchen or anything to to test the concept?
1: Again, because of using plant based materials, you really want to bring it in through a USDA clean room. You want to have all the all the systems in place to sanitize and, and keep everything it looks like
0: a surgical suite in the yeah,
1: kitchen. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we were feeding our friends out of our, our personal kitchen but not selling anything from our personal kitchen. until mm-hmm. so we were got all set up and all the systems in place. We brought the lab in to make sure that we were everything was set to go. Yeah. Uh, so, we, so we started delivering out of there. So we, that was our initial um, angel round of funding. And we're in the midst of raising a, a seed round right now to really push into our next level, bring our marketing to the next level. So that's where we're at.
2: I'll definitely ask you more about the seed round, but I, I just want to latch onto another term that you mentioned there, the USDA clean room, specifically because you're, completely plant-based. What what exactly is that? I mean, I can imagine, but um, what what is that?
1: It's a a room where um, all the produce comes in to get processed there with uh, washed on walls and a sanitation system in place so that everything gets clean and sanitized before it goes out into the kitchen.
0: Yeah, there are no meat products. I know USDA sounds meat. There's no meat products or anything like that in our plant, but it's just the name of... uh, It was set
1: up. The protocol yeah, was set up. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's just so that we can clean and sanitize everything before it comes out into the, into the plant.
2: Right. Yeah. Okay. The seed round, is that still friends or family or, or, or are you going wider?
1: Yeah, it's mostly, yeah. it'll be mostly friends and family. And I think, you know, for most plant-based entrepreneurs, when you're first getting started before you become completely bankable, that's where you go, right? To all your friends and friends and family. Yeah.
2: Yeah. As a sub-question, as a plant-based business, would you even be interesting for like a bank business loan?
1: Yes. Just like at the, the Vermont Bread Company, once you have bricks and mortar and you have, you know, inventory, that sort of thing, you become bankable. They like to see your track record usually about three years. Typically. We're still pretty
0: new for a for bank. Account. But
1: we have talked to our banker. Yeah, and our banker loves us. She loves so. us. So, yeah. yeah. She's amazed, actually. She When, she told, when, we, them, yeah. when we told her the story, because she was my banker at Vermont Bread Company, she said, this is so magical. The things that are happening in people's lives. And that's that. It's sad that that is the Im- impression that this is something magic, and it's not. It's really just eating whole foods and plant-based. Yeah, um, and no magic to it, but it seems magical.
2: The the simplest things often do seem the most magical. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's true. That's um, true.
2: I I really like that you brought up the the Vermont Bread Company here, Lisa, because the next question is really more for you, since you. You were the co-founder and CEO of that business for such a long time. What are some of the things that were really transferable over to to Mama Says, obviously, since it's also a food business? And what are some that you had to you know, reacquire or or learn anew?
1: One of the things I did after I sold my company is I went back and got my MBA. So I kind of lived my life backwards, right? So I I had the business I was the CEO of for... 24 years. And then I went to the Darden School of Business at the University of Virginia and got my MBA. And I did that so that I could put language to what I know um, and to really help give me other skills about how to look at, you know, spreadsheets differently, finance differently, that sort of thing. So what I do know is that so many businesses are very similar. It's all about managing people. It's managing resources. It's getting your supply chain, cooking with oil, as they say, or not oil in our case. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so a lot of those things are very similar. And my network in the food space it has been very helpful so anytime i need help with something i can just reach out and get some help equipment dealers that i dealt with before are helping yeah. um help to to do this as well um, so i think that a lot of things are similar you bring in raw materials you process you package we're not slicing anything like you do with a bread company but it's, it's very similar
2: is there anything that's um very different you would say
1: I think that learning how to handle vegetables, which I never did before how to mm-hmm. how to keep that safe, how to do packaging, i think is is different, and then having a cold chain is yes. different, so we have to deliver to you cold
2: yeah, and you're you're essentially doing that by using reusable coolers that that you send out to people.
1: Yes. So that's, that's, exciting. that's yeah. an exciting part of what we're doing. When we first tried out a lot of these milk companies, we said that we were not going to do it if you had a pile of trash in your garage. So we, what we do is we put a prepaid label on and it comes back to us. So we sanitize and reuse whatever we can.
0: Yeah. Eventually we're going to go into um, containers where you pull plastic from the ocean and pelletize it and make a box out of it. And
1: those will be our shipping containers. And then whenever they get need to be Redone, we'll just call and, we... and
0: make it back in the boxes. So
2: that's our plan. Yeah. So. That's actually the first time I hear of that particular concept, but um, sounds intriguing. So is, is this like a complete line of products already available to to companies?
0: No, I mean there are other companies doing it. Adidas is doing it, they're starting to make parts of their sneakers out of ocean plastic. There's a great company in Southern California called Burio that is making uh, skateboards and other items um, out of ocean plastic, where what they've done is incentivize people to pull plastic from the ocean, primarily fishing nets, because they're the most difficult ones. And then they're using those, pelletizing them and making products. So we thought, why not make a box out of something um, and make it raise awareness about what's happening in the oceans? Because a part of what we do is to help heal the planet, when you go plant-based that happens naturally mm-hmm. but our oceans are really suffering and the mama in mama says is mother earth and so that's a big part of of our ethos and and what we're about so we're hoping that that can one iteration of that
1: will happen it's part of our future plans yes for our future plans
2: that one is really interesting and of course just another piece of the puzzle that is building a sustainable business right so With all that you've been doing for the past year and a half with this business, how do you see the meal delivery space? You said that you tried different meal delivery services when you were doing your research. And it seems like it's definitely a growing industry, but it also means that there's a lot of competition and that the saturation might be going up. Yeah, I think
1: that's probably true if you look at meal companies as a whole, like especially mm-hmm. meal kit companies. You see and hear a lot about meal mm-hmm. kit companies right now. I think that there's a lot of opportunity still in the bullseye, which is where we are. And given, you know, how many McDonald's and Burger Kings and Wendy's there are in the world, I think that the opportunity still exists. It's a huge opportunity right now in in a whole food plant-based business, especially if they're based in the science part of this, I think that we're going to see a lot of changes in the milk business space. You know, we're already seeing acquisitions that are happening by supermarkets and um, Amazon and Damonte and, and Amazon's coming into the space. I think that you will see some real changes in that space, but I think that where we are, where we have this direct relationship with a customer who's really focused on healing and, and reversing their um, chronic conditions, I think there's lots of opportunities. To...
2: Mm-hmm. And um, speaking of your customers, how do you get them? How do they find out about you? How does how word spread around? Where do you focus your marketing efforts, basically?
1: We do a bunch of different things. We do a lot of PR. We do Facebook ads. We do events. We teach classes. We partner with other people who are doing those sorts of things.
0: Yeah, and we do a lot of content. We really committed early on to, to having a high-quality content where we can research it, where it's maybe a little bit longer form for people. But, you know, to answer the big questions that everyone has, what about carbs and, and to dig into the What about science, protein? What about protein? And, yeah. and to answer it, not in a flip way, but in a, in a way that people could, you know, reference back to different studies that they want to know about. So that's one way. And then social media has been really helpful. Word of mouth has been good. And we also work with a lot of doctors who feel confident that they can recommend our food to their patients. And that's been a real strong part of what we do
2: yeah I think that one should probably carry a lot of weight for you because it's nearly a prescription for for a certain type of food when it comes from a doctor
1: yeah, yeah. not only, not only that, but we're starting to see some of our customers get it covered by insurance oh wow, yeah so that was <laughs> that's the new edge like yeah. wow, that's very interesting that's but very it, interesting. it makes total sense if you think about it right so Kaiser Permanente mm-hmm. is a large care provider health insurance provider here in the u s they're not here on the east coast but they they actually publish. Booklets that that encourage their customers to eat a whole food plant based diet. If you think about it, it, makes total sense, right? That's how you get to reduce the health care insurance bills, calls. right? Yeah. So they they give you insurance and so they want you not to use it. So a great way to do that is to eat a whole food plant based diet, and right? you won't be
0: using it. You know, you
2: don't know. That's a great conjunction of financial interests and everything that's just good for your health and the planet. Yeah, we
0: were surprised with that. That makes total sense. Makes total sense. And then when you when you're able to do that, when you're able to get the insurance companies behind a way of eating, then you have really impacted the healthcare in this country. You know, all of a sudden people are being encouraged and incentivized to eat in a certain way because it lowers healthcare costs. And you've solved, you've gone a long way towards solving the problem.
2: That's something that I, I honestly was not expecting. I knew that some health insurance companies were slowly moving towards you know, just lowering premiums if you were eating a plant-based diet or right. certain other diets that are deemed more healthy. But um, to actually have your meals covered by by someone's insurance, that's even better.
1: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that great. It's just starting. It, it, we don't have it um, everywhere yet, but it's, it's a really interesting trend.
2: Nice. So once you get those customers, are most of them... On a subscription based model with you, or do they just order as they go along?
1: So, we hate subscriptions, both of us. And so, we were said we are not going to have a company that has subscriptions. And then our customers came to us and said, Would you please put us on a we, subscription? We forget but to
0: order, we so forget to
1: order. So, we <laughs> have a subscription service, but we don't, that's not what we sell.
0: It's not, uh, you don't have to subscribe to buy. Mm-hmm. To subscribe. Yeah,
1: if, so. if you make us have a subscription for you, we will do it. We
0: will do it. But it's great. You know, no, it's, it's great awesome. for some people. We kind of tongue in cheek, but it's been yeah.
2: really good. See, because what I was going to ask is for any subscription-based business, the customer retention is obviously the big thing right after customer acquisition. But um, it, it sounds like you were almost dragged into this by by your customers. <laughs> we,
1: are. we are. We are. It's true. But they, um, we have very loyal customers, as you can imagine, especially, you know, the story you heard about the woman who's feeding her mother so that just becomes like a regular she does it by subscription because it's easy for her and then once you are eating this way and you know how hard it is to eat this way and your health has changed you're, you become a very loyal customer so yeah. we have customer loyalty in a different way than other food companies those relationships
0: are really important to us um so we put a lot of attention on our customers personal attention
1: because it matters does matter. that's one of our taglines in our company because it matters
2: mm-hmm. who handles that by the way because um Obviously it's just for any business, but especially for a startup, that kind of attention requires a lot of manpower basically to, to manage.
1: Yeah, we have a great customer service team. They're just awesome. And uh, our customers will track us down like who is Caroline? Who is mm-hmm. Allie? <laughs> <laughs> we have we have a great team that, that handles that for and us. And they're patient
0: because you know when
1: right. you don't you have to feel be.
0: well and you have a lot of questions, it's you need to be able to be patient to get you know and that's what a lot of the doctors who are leaning towards a lifestyle medicine is that you have to be able to spend a little bit more time with people and answer questions so that they're comfortable mm-hmm. because it's different and you know fears pop pop up in really funny ways for people so we we try and be as you know responsive to that as we can be
1: and the secret too is that we also take a turn at it because we want to hear what our customers are saying. Mm-hmm. So our customers won't know it, but they're talking to one of the co founders because we will jump in and say, hey, I want to take this call or I want to deal with this customer, just so that we can really get a feel for what it is they struggle with, what they like, what they don't like about what they're doing now, what they need. So we will sometimes jump in. So you won't even know it, but you'll have one of us on the other end of the customer service line.
2: Yeah, which I, I think is a very good idea for any kind of startup founder, not not just, you know, plant-based meal delivery. I agree. So I know as as someone who got into this primarily for health reasons, what was your initial or what what's your ongoing impression of the whole plant-based business space?
1: I think there's opportunity here. Yeah. I think it's tremendous.
0: I I, I think people are I mean what we've seen is it's starting to grow. I have one concern and it's kind of like with organic that a lot of food can be can seem like it's healthy mm-hmm. but it's not you can have a heart attack and be a vegan um there's a lot of junk food out there and so one thing that I could see is maybe a downside as it grows is a lot there's a lot of semi healthy plant-based food and if you're a vegan and come from a philosophical animal rights type place, then that's okay. But from a health standpoint, we've really been surprised by how much bad food there is, even in the plant-based space.
1: And what, just like <laughs> organic, I was in the organic industry when it was first getting started. We'll need to have some definition. Like What does it mean to be whole food plant-based? Back then it was, what does it mean to be organic? Um, and then there became sort of a certification. And we see that starting to develop in this space as well. Um, One of the groups is called Plantricious, And so they they will have a certifying seal that says, you know, what the ratios are for Mm -hmm. sodium to calories and what the fiber count is. And so what what we think is going to happen is that you'll see some more certification happening so that you really do understand the food that you're eating. It's especially important from the health side in our perspective, from our perspective of the, you know, no oil, lower sodium, all of that.
2: Of course, because as you said earlier... To really get people onto this kind of food so they don't feel like they're essentially eating grass, right. you, <laughs> right. you need to mimic those flavor profiles that they're used to. And obviously, it's a lot easier to mimic them when you're just loading stuff up with oil, sugar, right. salt, and a exactly. bit right. of acid. And so right. just like you said, it can be plant-based, but does not mean... in any sort of way that it's also necessarily healthy for you.
1: Correct. Exactly. Yeah. But there is lots of opportunity here. You know, more and more people are interested in eating this way. You know, there's just, there's tons of work to do. And we love to partner with others in this space and trying to figure out ways that we can all work together and be on the same side rather than competing with each other. Like we have a lot of work to do here to move the needle. So let's do it together.
2: Yeah. What kind of partnerships are you basically looking for or, or establishing right now?
1: We call it a common mission partner. So anybody that's in the space that wants to work with us to provide this food for their folks or wants to develop a line of products. I come from a private label background. So I did private label for Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. And so I know a lot about that. So like partnering with people who want to offer their constituents a a line of products that we can co-brand with them. That's Mm -hmm. an exciting opportunity, I think, for us and for others. Um, we're rolling out uh, a, a program like that with a, a doctor right now mm-hmm. um, that you should see probably sometime in the next couple months. Um, and then also using, you know, as we started to think about, well, you could, I wonder what it would be like to use this for like a fundraiser for our, our kids' school, right? So other kind of partnerships that we can do to get more people eating this way that wouldn't necessarily think about eating a whole food plant based diet.
2: Yeah, nice. So besides these plans that you just shared and obviously your plan for expanding onto the West Coast. What other plans do you have for the future of Mama Sis?
1: We just want to keep doing what we're doing with a great team of people. Um, You know, we want it to be an awesome place to work. We want to make beautiful and delicious food. We want to get it out to as many people as we can.
0: Yeah, our big goal is really to help people heal from things that are avoidable. And the more that we can be a big tent and not exclude people, but be very inviting and Show the benefit you know and the vibrant health and the joy that you can have um just by eating it seems crazy to us that we have to like convince people that if you eat real food, you know your life's going to be better, but that's our goal, and the more you can do that in a a really fun accepting way with serious science behind it, we're happy, and so we just want to keep growing that way and and there are so many things that come up you know as you grow a business, you know t v shows cooking shows that have talked to us and that type of thing. So the, all of those are on the back burner, um, not the back burner, but they're on a burner and they might happen, but we, we want, you know, this mothership here first to, to take off and then we'll expand into those things if it seems appropriate and it can fulfill that big goal of helping people heal.
2: Nice. Is there, is there anything that you wish you had known before you started this business?
1: Um, I wish I'd known a little bit more about that, how the tech side worked, We're learning about that. Yeah. So uh, both of our, sorry, yeah. Both of our businesses were much more on the ground, you know, mm-hmm. bricks and mortar. I used to deliver bread to stores and yeah. Meg designed and created beautiful spaces with hotels. <laughs> um, but I think the tech side, it was a, kind of a surprise. I, w- I wish I'd learned more about that earlier. Um, so I think that, that that was an area that we needed help with pretty quickly. We were able to get a team around us, but I would say for sure, if, um, you know, as people start their businesses, the tech side of stuff, um, get the help you need as soon right. as you can. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So, basically, in, in terms of reaching out the advisory board and then just creating a team that can fill in the blanks for you, right? Is, exactly. is what I'm hearing. Yeah, here. that's
1: really helpful. The other big piece of advice that I give to other entrepreneurs who are getting started is to own your numbers, to really understand. All of your numbers, like what your costs are, what your gross margin is, how you impact those numbers, what you can, what does volume do to it or not do to it to really own those numbers. And, you know, I I say that you can, you know, with a calculator and a pencil and fifth grade math, you can understand your financial system uh, um, statements. And so just take the time to really understand how your business works. So that and the advisory board were the two big big things.
2: Knowing what you know now about the plan-based space, what's your vision of our future and, and the role that vegan food and business can play in it
0: oh you know it's beautiful, and I think that's what's so compelling by so many people who get involved and who are kind of pulled to, to doing it is that when you realize that it's a really elegant solution for so many of our issues that we that plague us from pollution to you know eroding soils to yeah. physical health, children's health, aging people's health, brain health, mental health. You know that if you could just do this one thing, it touches on so many of those really sore points that are, you know, they're they're really tearing communities apart. They're tearing our healthcare system apart and a lot of our political system apart. And so I see that if you know, even if you could, we were just saying if you could get a third of the people in this country to begin to eat this way more than not, the impact would just be phenomenal. It would be phenomenal. You know, it would be phenomenal. And so. We want to be a part of that. I believe it can happen because there's a, such a strong motivator. When you feel good, you want to do more of it. And the more people can be exposed to food that is delicious and they feel good after they've eaten it, while, while they're eating it and after, the more they're going to do it.
1: And the more energy they have. The more energy the they, they have, feel.
0: then you know, you're know you inspired to, to keep eating that way.
2: Beautiful. So Meg, Lisa, to finish this off, where can people find out more about Mama Says and, of course, try some of your meals?
1: That's up to our website. It's it's says which is N-A-N-A-S-E-Z-Z dot com.
0: Yeah, and the easy way to remember it is it, can, it came from, do like your mama says. Eat your fruits and veggies, go outside and play. Just keep it simple. So it's Mama yeah. Says, S-E-Z-Z. Again.
2: Perfect. Well, thank you very much for this. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's it's really great to see how you're both bringing your parts into this business and, and making it work and grow so well. So, um, Emily, really thank you very much, not just for joining me today, but for doing your part in in moving the needle.
1: Well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate it. I was I, saying to Meg that I've watched your podcast when they first came out or, and your your video interviews, and I, I really have loved them. So you're doing great work in the world. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, beautiful work, and we yeah. appreciate you.
0: And thank you for having us on.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. And really, have an awesome day and best of luck for the future. Thank,
0: Thank you. you. We'll stay in touch.
2: Yeah, Perfect. Keep in touch. Thank you. Bye bye, bye bye. And that wraps up episode 55 of the Plant Based Entrepreneur Show with Megan Lisa, the founders of Mama Says. As always, you can find the links to their company, everything we discussed in the interview, plus the timestamp show notes on the website if you navigate to theplantbasedentrepreneurcom forward slash show forward slash episode 055. And if you have any extra questions about it or just want to get in touch, you can always reach me on jerry at theplanbasedentrepreneur.com. Now, before we sign off, don't forget that the Plant based Parenting Summit is launching in two weeks. It's the first event of its kind where you'll be able to learn all about raising happy, healthy vegan children and fueling your own plant-based family. So if you haven't already, you can sign up for free at plantbasedparentingsummit.com. Now, obviously, like Megan Lisa's origin story shows, switching over to a plant-based diet can benefit your health at any age. But if you want to do things right from the start for your children... The Plant-Based Parenting Summit is one event you definitely won't want to miss. I'm going to leave you with that. Talk again soon. And until then, stay awesome. And remember, the future is plant-based.